Welcome to Secrets of Tomorrow's Leaders. I'm Corinne Young with RK Studios. This podcast is produced in partnership with JCI Santa Clarita and is now available on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes Podcast, Google Play, and Spotify. Today's podcast is called Adapt or Die, and we'll be speaking to my new friend, Jason Price. <laughs> How's it going, Corin? Hey, how are you, Jason? Doing great, man. Let me, uh, let, me, let me finish reading your bio real quick, because I want that. everyone to know the context of who you are. Jason yeah. leads the adoption and change management consulting practice at Core BTS. They're a cloud te- technology firm in Burbank, California. He's helped over a million people move to and efficiently use the Office 365 and Google Cloud platforms. He's a JCI certified national trainer and a lifetime member of the Santa Clarita Valley chapter. Jason lives here in Santa Clarita with his wife, April, and his twin daughters. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thank you. A pleasure, man. So how are you holding up with uh, all the craziness out there today, working from home and stuck in our rooms? I'm I'm used to it. I've I've been working from home for years, so I'm I'm totally on board with all of your your cloud uh, <laughs> technology and and all that stuff. Um, so I've been working in the entertainment industry, and so my clients uh, I actually see them maybe once a year at their annual Christmas party. Oh. Okay. Uh, but most of the time we communicate via email. Sometimes they'll ship hard drives to me, but we do a lot of stuff uh, online. So I'm used to that. The the strange thing for me is that I started teaching at the fall of 2019 at College of the Canyons. And that was like an on, uh, it was an in-person class. And so I actually had to drive to campus one day a week. Most of the time I stayed home. And then in, in the middle of a spring semester, we transitioned to online and, and here we are doing uh, online everything. So it's, it's weird adapting to change, but. It's a good thing that this pandemic came along at a time where cloud was already there. Can you imagine if this hit us in the 80s? Yeah, even in uh, the uh, early 2000s. The 90s, the 2000s, like. What would pe- people would have gone crazy? I think they still are going crazy to some degree today. You know, like everybody's cooped up. They're they they need outlets. They're like, oh my god, I got to talk to my friends. I'm going crazy. So luckily, Zoom is there. But what if Zoom wasn't? Yeah. Well, yeah. So we've got Zoom. We have FaceTime. Uh, I've been doing a lot of FaceTime calls with with my family. We've got like yep. Facebook Messenger and Snapchat and Instagram. They all offer programs to let you communicate with with all of your friends. Mm-hmm. And so that's cool for for the social stuff. But we have so many people uh, demanding that we open up and get back to normal. And <laughs> normal. Normal's What's a normal? weird word, right? Like I I personally believe there's no going back. There there normal is a frame of reference that you have to what your daily habits are but yeah it's it's the kind of their normal but they're they're the normal we will go to will will not look like where we've been it is it is completely different i mean just look across the spectrum of everything that's happening uh you know business is adapting everybody's working all knowledge workers are working from home. All essential people are in the market and, and, and out there on uh, in, the, in their respective locations doing what they have to do. But uh, what happens when all these restrictions are lifted? Everybody is going to have to rethink again how they do things. And uh, masks, distance – uh, all of that is going to impact the the workplace, big time. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Uh, you you mentioned everyone's working from home. I, I guess a lot of people are. I have colleagues that also work in the entertainment industry that mm-hmm. have been told for years by their bosses, "No, you cannot work from home. This stuff is like very classified, and you know we can't have like hundred million dollar films like on your laptop at home." Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean that's just one example, but we've suddenly found out that yes, you can work from home. In fact, everyone's going to. You like, can you just have to make it happen. Yeah, the 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 tools that we need to you know that allow us to do that are now in place and people have security and they have, I think the only thing they're fighting for right now then is bandwidth to their house. Like, cause everybody, everybody's now is at home, mm. your mom, your dad, the kids, everybody's, uh, uh, using these now, you know, 
streaming video is going through the roof. And so there's certain times a day you do want to have a meeting and certain times you don't. And uh, it's driven us to new habits now uh, across the board. You know, I look, so it used to be that you'd get up in the morning, you'd clean up, dress up, grab your breakfast and coffee and fire out the door, drive in, do everything that you need to do for work at your respective place, and then come home and do the reverse, right? And then sit back with uh, the family and have dinner and then sit around and watch TV. Well, now you are working here in your space. You are fighting for bandwidth with your Alexas and your Netflixes that your kids are watching and everybody, because now this is the only outlets we have during the day. How, so how, how, even the way we interact now, uh, has changed. I, I look at, I look at Facebook and other social media and I see that people used to rely on this as their, uh, secondary means of uh, socializing. And they would use those to get together as, as, and physically be in the same space as their primary means of socializing. Okay, let's have a beer. Let's, do, let's go to the wine tasting. Let's do all this stuff. Let's have dinner. And now that is evaporated. But as people have gone back to social media, even these things have taken on they can't quite replace this. So what I've been doing, I don't know about you, but I've been um, reaching out to friends I haven't talked to in a long time. And I find myself connecting with them like on long 45 minute phone conversations or uh, um, <laughs> one group of friends I have from college. Like they reached out to me. They're like, Hey, we started up playing Dungeons and Dragons again. You want in? I'm like, Oh hell yeah. So you know, my wife's kind of miffed. I've been spending every Saturday night doing that, but I'm like, this is what I need. This is how I reconnect. Yeah, with folks. Yeah, I, I've I've been doing the same. Um, so there's the the regular meetings that we have via uh, Facebook or Zoom or whatever for the different organizations. And so yeah, we've been doing that. My calendar is just like full of like Zoom meetings. But then also on the weekends, I've gotten together with my old high school friends to mm-hmm. play like Jackbox games, uh, which yeah. is like a series of like little mini games that we, we get together like every weekend. Some of these guys I haven't spoken to in years or at least many, many months. And so to have us all together, like in the same virtual room, even though they live in uh, Washington state, uh, Colorado, mm-hmm. Texas, uh, and, and here it's, it's a trip to kind of be all together. And uh, I joined another group for uh, Dungeons and Dragons last week on Zoom. I've never played in my life, but uh, I don't Careful. know that I will again. You'll uh, turn into a nerd like me. You keep that up. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. We'll we'll see about that. So, uh, so for your work, uh, you actually work for a cloud technology firm. Has your business been impacted by COVID? Are a lot of uh, different companies reaching out to to you for help with that kind of transition? Yes, there was. Okay, so from like mid-March to mid-April, everybody started scrambling. Everybody that had been kind of postponing all these plans, now all of a sudden had no choice. They had to execute and do it really fast. And there was a, a huge amount of demand for all of that. Now it's kind of like tapered down as, because everybody's figured out how to retool their, their workflows and their communication and how, how to work in this, in this new environment. Uh, I'm sure productivity has suffered through the course of that, but, uh, now everybody's like trying to plan, how do I get back to normal, whatever normal is, what's what's going to be the new way of working this future state. And, and everybody's like, okay, well now I need to get the security tools in place. I need to kind of rethink, uh, what, what I've been planning out for this, my, 2020 plan is shot to hell. So now I'm like replanning it all and figuring out what I'm going to need when. And so it's starting to come, uh, it kind of, kind of peaked and now it's come back down to where demand was, where it was before. But you still have 
those you still have how the water cooler is not going to be the same. Nobody can go to the lunchroom and all hang out like they used to. It's going to be like one person in the lunchroom at a time. One person at the coffee machine at a time. Not and forever, that, maybe just for like the, the the next year, but I don't I don't until, know if the new normal is going to be forever. I think there are some things that are going to be improved forever. I think we'll have a lot more people working from home. Right, that that uh, hustle you were talking about, where you have to, you know, grab your breakfast and after you've showered and changed and uh, get in the car, drive for an hour to get there, an hour to get back. I think a lot of us have two extra hours every day for Netflix or for family or for social yeah. Zoom or whatever. But so some of that stuff that has changed for for the better, maybe permanently. But some stuff I think will go back. We'll go back to uh, Disneyland and movie theaters and bars and stuff, right? Two. Well, only to some degree. When when the vaccine comes around, that'll allow more things to open up. But I still don't think it's going to go back exactly the same way it was. Case in point, now you have offices that are that are saying, okay, we can bring people back. But now everybody has figured out how to work from home, how to work remotely, how to change their their procedures, their processes to accommodate – around covid and so there's no mad rush to go back to the office um there are, i think management says all right where is the productivity for the team who's selling the most who's generating the most and they're working from home and they're fine with it there's no need to drag them back into the office because they're performing it's only i think your low performers that all all of a sudden now they look at them and say well we need to manage them a little bit more closely so we will have to bring them back and so those are the ones that will be in the office and your high performers that prove themselves will have the luxury of options yeah, it's actually crazy to think about now because all of the companies that were previously hiring locally no longer have that limitation. I'm thinking if everyone's working from home, you don't have to all be in Santa Clarita or Los Angeles. You could hire someone in New York. You could hire someone in India or China or Russia. Um, so it's really going to kind of change uh, the global economy. I mean, outsourcing already has impacted us, uh, but now that everyone realizes we can have people working remotely it's going to it's going to change things a bit i think i think it, i think these ramifications are just rolling out all over the place look at entertainment so uh, i bought tickets to stagecoach okay in april that didn't happen and they said okay we'll do it in october now that's canceled and they say okay your tickets are good for april 2021 but we hear that you know, if they're if they're still if they haven't been able to vaccinate everybody, that event isn't going to happen. Concerts, the way we know them, are are going to be different. Movies now, everybody said, "Hey, look at how much entertainment we can have in our living room. We don't need to go to the theater." And Universal has said, "Hey, we're starting." And, and the other the other studios are releasing directly to streaming video and finding success with that. So they're even reevaluating. Yeah, that was a big problem for theaters. them because uh, uh, Regal and AMC have both said, we're done, Universal. We are never going to show yeah. another Universal movie again. Like not even just a warning. They're like, we're done with you. Yes. And, and it wasn't even just them. I mean, th that's what they did with the Trolls uh, World Tour. Yes. And I think they made over a billion dollars streaming and they – might be like, hey, we don't even need the theaters, so you know, go pound sand. But they do need the theaters for some tentpole events, some made the the next Star Wars or you know the next blockbuster film. Yeah, will need it, but you can no longer pack people in the same seating. So so Stagecoach can't make its money back unless it has enough attendees physically in the space. So they're going to have to rethink how they deliver that content. Do they go online? Do they go, how do they, how do they package that and monetize it? So they still make their, their bottom line. Yeah. I've seen lots of uh, music festivals, by the way, do it online where they have like a DJ in a room, 
uh, someone sanitizes the whole station. He's got gloves on and a mask, and he's you know spinning. They've got crazy lights, and it was streaming across YouTube and Twitch and all kinds of platforms, with tons of people watching, like way more mm-hmm. than could actually be there in person. I don't know how they monetized it because I was able to watch it for free. Yeah. So I don't know if they had ads in there or right. something, but. So you can only do it unmonetized for so long, right? Yeah, the, the same with everything. You know, like Facebook was free for a long time with no ads, and so yeah, you're right. At some point, you got to figure out a way to make money from it. Look at television. So you have everybody that uh, your late night talk hosts now had to do it from their home with no live audience. So there's no laugh track. It's and weird. It make- it is weird. It looks completely different. You're like, I should be laughing, but I don't hear the cue for me to right. join in to laugh. The show's so fall laugh. flat. It, it's and it's it's kind of tough. Um, I don't know if you watched um 8:46 on YouTube, but to hear to hear uh, Dave Chappelle deliver stand up to uh, he. So what he did, he basically took it to an outside stage. They had pairs of seats six feet apart. Everybody wore face masks. And he he delivered the comedy that way. And he got the response. He, he was able oh. to play off the audience. Cool. I hadn't but, seen that. But the landscape of the audience was thin. So I don't know if they monetized that. I don't even know if they, they charged. But in the end, that it's like – Everything is changing to some degree. And the fact that people have been forced to figure out different solutions in this time mean that some of those will stay. Everybody is – I see a lot of innovation. I'm amazed. Um, every Friday night, uh, I would be working and somewhere around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'd hear this beeping. And I'd look out the window and there would be a train of cars going by. What the heck is that? I'd go downstairs and they'd be coming by the front of my house. What it was was the teachers from Mountain View Elementary driving around the neighborhoods. And uh, they had signs on their car telling people who they were. And, I miss you. You know, I'm still here. Uh, uh, we love your kids. And, uh, we actually followed this. I'm like, this is interesting. I grabbed my girls. We jumped in the car and I followed the train of cars. And I noticed that everywhere they went, there were families that had come out to the curb that now had their signs that said, thank you so much. You're the greatest. You know, they were giving back to the teacher who was, there, it was like that limited presence, but it still let people know there is a societal framework at work. These roles are still here. We still have the same responsibilities. It's just how we're going to deliver these things have changed. Isn't just, that nuts? It's, it's, it's nuts that people are finding these different ways to interact. And the fact that we've gone from – we've gone all the way through the digital wave back to – Right. From writing letters to emails to text messages to Facebook, and now we're holding physical signs. I, I had a birthday parade a couple of weeks ago, and <laughs> you know, friends and family showed up with, with signs. And it's like, yes, I, I can't even remember the last time. Maybe like you know, twenty years ago that we were like making signs for for each other. Yeah. But it's uh, I mean, I, I guess that's a cool way of like reconnecting when you've got to be distant, you know. And, and we're seeing a lot more signs around town too, not just like people holding banners, mm-hmm. but people putting signs on a chain link fence, you know, that say, uh, um, black lives matter, or, uh, we support our healthcare workers mm-hmm. or saga strong, which is like all these causes that just remind us that like, Hey, we're all in this together. And somebody else is, you know, speaking to me through this sign. And it's, a, it's, it's an interesting way of communicating. I went down to central park, uh, on a Sunday to play games with the friends. And um, that's when I went by the flagpole after Saugus had happened. And, you know, the memorial that was set up there, teddy bears, photos, signs, uh, 
just this amazing memorial and these things, unfortunately, that are happening because people's frustrations are where they are, uh, still show that to the community that there is a community and it's, these are symbols of that spirit of the community. And even after that weekend and all of that stuff moved out, you could still go by that flagpole and see colored rocks that say you can do it or I heart you. And you're like, I don't even know who this person is, but they're telling me they love me. It's like we have almost either devolved or re-evolved back into this new means of communicating that is not digital, that is not hands-on communication, no touch, but is visual reminders of, of what values we continue to share. Uh, look at the protests in the street right now. Um, signs, of course, everywhere, right? What is now what additionally is happening is the mayor of DC painted every black life matters right down the middle of the street, 30 foot long yellow letters that can't be missed. Uh, same thing happened in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Streets are being painted with messaging. It is, uh, it's, it's almost like we have learned that the mobile phone, as awesome as this thing is, has limitations. And it cannot meet the needs we have as, as people, as members of the community, as husbands and spouses and kids and teachers and all, all those things. We still need something else. And so there's a lot of innovation in the space about how people communicate, yeah. how people manage events, how people, I mean, look, sports is another example of this. So the baseball and basketball players unions are still trying to negotiate out what's going to happen. Are we going to have a full season in Orlando, uh, are the Kings ever going to play hockey this year <laughs> or are they out? Cause we're only doing playoffs. How are we sequestering all of the players? What is sports? Like? And there's no fans. Fans can't be there. So what happened? It's going to be like, uh, you know, you're, you're late night comedians talking to the camera with no live audience. It's weird. Yeah. I just like the comedians, the, the uh, athletes play off of the energy that they get from the crowd. It's yeah. so, it's going to be like being at a practice. So, so, yeah, that's weird. So there's like the, the sports world that's going to be different. Um, uh, political rallies, uh, I guess, you know, the different candidates are still choosing, are we going to do rallies? Are we not? How are we going to, how are we going to do that? Uh, even locally, uh, we just did an event. Uh, I helped run the uh, video production portion of the Vine to Wine event for nice. Circle of Hope yes. uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And it was weird because we did it through Zoom, and we had uh, some pre-recorded videos from the, the winemakers and the restaurants, and then we had a live MC that connected uh, to me via Skype just like this, and nice. uh, and there were literally hundreds of people watching, and I'm trying to, you know, make sure everything goes off without a hitch, and there was a live auction that they're able to, to read, and, and this whole thing was planned within a month, because they usually have a big event with 300 people at, you know, the Hyatt or whatever other venue, and to have to adapt to something like that so quickly was was really really cool. That I mean, yeah. especially that it that it succeeded. But uh, yeah, the topic of this podcast is adapt or die. So I, I guess the option, <laughs> the, the alternative to that is like, well, I guess we just don't do an event this year, and we see a lot of that too. Yeah, I guess I'll just stay at home and not see my friends. Uh, I guess I won't, you know, visit family. I get it's it's like you stagnate. Unless you figure out how, what's the new way of doing things. So I like my day job is in change management, which is not just training people how to use these cloud tools and technologies, but also having them say, having them step back and say, what are the pain points you have today? What are the challenges you have with the way things work? 
before we get into, okay, here's all the great stuff that can happen and the vision that's going to happen. It's like we have to focus on the pain because the pain is what allows people to reflect and, and say we can't keep doing things the way we have been. We, the status quo is driving us into the ground. We have to change. They have to come to that realization. Unfortunately, as much pleasure as you put on, you know, lay out for them, it's like the pain is the thing that makes people motivated to undergo the pain of change. Uh, we have had the pain of change forced upon us. And so that's why in all these areas of business and society and sports and entertainment and everything like everybody has had that forced and they have to figure out new ways. And when we're able to go back to, we have the option of going back to the old ways. We'll find that mm, we probably won't want to do exactly the way it was. Yeah. Well, you- that fine to wine event. Hey, that worked great. Let's keep that. And that those worked really well. That didn't work so hot. We'll change that. You know, uh, my daughter's graduated from elementary school over Zoom, and uh, what a trip! Yeah, and so they had they had to deal with that, and some things worked great, and some things didn't. You know, the idea of hey, let's every graduation ceremony we'll have all the kids sing a song. Awesome! It brings them all together. Parents get all teary eyed. Oh, it's so great. Well, what happens when you have kids try to sing all together over Zoom? No, is the that, timing doesn't work. That person's got this little delay, and that person's got big delay, and that person has no delay, so their timing's all off. No, if and you've seen think- anyone sing happy birthday even on Zoom, it's awful. <laughs> Don't, do not try it. Like Even if you want to just hear for yourself, it's not worth it. It's terrible. So how then do we adapt – to these circumstances and how do we adapt to the new way and shed the old ways? Cause at some point we, we leave old behaviors behind because a new way of doing things is superior. Yeah. At least- you, you know what I found even, uh, locally, there's a lot of small family owned, uh, restaurants, uh, mm-hmm. out here in, in, in Canyon country where I live. And some of them, uh, are cash only, like they don't even want to pay the extra 3% uh, in fees to accept credit cards. Mm-hmm. And they're, maybe they're listed on Google, maybe not. They're certainly not like, they're, they're not, they don't put a lot of money and effort into their uh, getting their uh, name out there. Mm. And they certainly weren't offering any kind of delivery options. You know, they were just, you come in, you eat, and then you, you leave. But now uh, with, Uber Eats or DoorDash or Grubhub or Postmates, they're all on, you know, at least one of these things because if if you're not on there when people are ordering food from home, you're just not going to get that business. So even mm-hmm. if you have to pay the extra 3% or 10% or whatever the cut is that these places are taking, you, you either want to get uh, 100% of nothing or 80% of something. Yes. And so... What's going to happen, let's say even a year from now, are they all going to dump their uh, Uber Eats uh, arrangement, their partnership, yeah. or do you think they're going to keep it? I don't know about that. I think I think they'll probably stay with it because it's working for them. Yeah, they've, they've you, you know, companies used to do, hey, here, we'll give you a month for free. Try it out. Let me know if it works. And you'd evaluate, you'd trial it, and then if it worked out, great, I'll keep it, and it became part of your marketing budget. But I think you're right. I think people are going to say, you know what? I really enjoy getting my food from this restaurant through Uber Eats, and they're going to keep it. And then the demand – that's where the demand is. So is the restaurant going to meet that or are they not? Are they going to adapt? Are they going to die? Like uh, even just food in general, uh, I I was listening to – NPR radio yesterday, and there was an article about um, a foodie who basically provides a service that that coaches people through making sourdough. And sourdough 
I've never made it, but I learned a lot. It actually is a times a painstaking procedure to do it. And she says after, you know, like late March, early April, demand for her stuff spiked because people were locked at home and they were just like, not only just I, I would like to eat some sourdough, but I'm going crazy. I need I need to do something. So they were like, I want to try a recipe I've never done before. I want to create something I haven't done. And now so her her business has spiked. So when if, if I was to sit down with anybody in any business, I would say, I get what you do today. It totally makes sense. But I want you to forget that for now and look at how you can refashion your services or your products to fit the new ways of demand. And, and bearing in mind that we have the old way, the way we're in right now, and then the future state. Mm-hmm. And it's we, we still don't know exactly what that looks like, but how do you adapt to what's happening now? Uber Eats. How do you adapt to what's coming next? Yeah, it, it won't be back to how it was. It might not be how it is now, but somewhere there's like a third, maybe meeting in the middle or something. Mm-hmm. Or new technology that we haven't even seen yet. Because like right. just a few years ago, all these uh, food delivery places weren't as popular. So you, I, yeah. I think I think you're right. We're, we're As awful as this pandemic is, uh, the only good thing about it is that we're kind of uh, in a position where we can work remotely and connect socially uh, via the internet and get our food delivered. Like I've been ordering my groceries from Ralph's or Costco or, uh, target. Yeah. Uh, you just go on the app, you order it, you tell them when you want them to bring it. And, uh, and they'll text you and say, Hey, this particular cheese isn't available. You want me to get this one? It's a dollar more. <laughs> or, or you can say, uh, you know, don't even ask me whatever you find is good enough or, you know, skip it. But it's, they've, they've built so many scenarios into their, uh, ordering app. It's really neat. Yeah. So I used to, I, I used to do um, seminars and training on how to retool your business for mobile because the demand from mobile f- five, 10 years ago was low but increasing. Now you can't even imagine not having a mobile-friendly website or a presence on Google Maps or a Facebook page and all those things because you're you have to be in all those places for the de- to to meet the demand as it comes and where's demand coming next you know i i still feel like uh as as much as i know i'm constantly learning more and trying to share that where i can and but uh it's like even in these times the temptation is just sit back on your couch with your feet up and drink your glass of wine and chat with the family and watch a crap load of TV. Uh, and that's fine. I think you should do that too. But I think it's also a missed opportunity if you don't learn something. Like pick something up so that you can – start to piece together what that future state might look like. Uh, so, so my girls graduate from elementary school. It's summer vacation. They sleep till whenever they want to get up. It's re- really nice life. God, I miss it. Remember those days, Gorn? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kind of still living it, to be honest. But, uh... <laughs> but uh, my wife and I, we said to the girls, look, you don't have any homework, but take care of your chores. Uh, do your exercise help with the dishes, and then watch an hour of TED Talks. Yes. We, you like video. It's, it's, you, you can, you, they live on social media and TikTok and all that stuff. So like, go ahead, watch every day, watch an hour of TED Talk, three talks, and at the dinner table, tell us what you learn. Oh, tell I love us that. So pick something up. Uh, and I'm learning from them as they telling me, I'm like, God, I didn't even know that, uh, that way they're sharing their knowledge with us that they picked up 
certainly can't run. I mean, you're not going to get 100% of a TED Talk filtered through a 12-year-old, but it's okay. It's, it's a good attempt. No, but you've, but you've got six different TED Talks a day filtering through two 12-year-olds. You're going to pick up <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. and so, so are you picking up something that you're feeding into them at the dinner table? I'm Whoa. picking up different – like I'm, I'm still learning a lot uh, about cloud. That's the thing about cloud is it, it, it's always being updated every month. It is new features, new applications, new – um, new marketing tactics, new products. Uh, my learning curve is really steep. So I, uh, but I believe in learning never ends. So I always try to, you know, read a blog article here, uh, digest a, a document here, j- just kind of pick things up as I go. And I encourage everybody that wherever you are, Open up the learning take, – take the learning hat out of its box. It's probably been up in the top of the closet. It's covered with dust. Pull it out. Shake it off. Put on the learning hat at some point every week and pick something up. And if it's how to make sourdough, cool. If it is what – how demand generation is being driven through online applications – great if it is how is your industry pivoting in a different direction even better uh i uh, this is one of the things that i think um was instilled in me actually by the jc's long ago so uh when the first year i i joined i went to a program called prime and it is a train the trainer course how to facilitate training and I ate that up. It was so great. And I, I felt I, – I said at the end of it, I feel like doors are opening. Like I saw opportunity with this. And, um, and, and I, went, I went deep into training. I served as a training vice president for my chapter. Uh, I served as training vice president at the state level for California and encouraged a lot of others to take prime. Even if you don't end up being a trainer – just I think it's excellent for being able to present and facilitate and keep an audience moving through a program to the call to action. And uh, that's why I know I've been coming back to the JCs because I'm like, look, I'm learned. And one thing I've learned is knowledge is it's like currency. You, you, I take a dollar from you. I pass it on to you and you give, I give you value. You give me value. It's like that, that value chain. Knowledge is the same way. So passing that along to others as it was given to you. Uh, I, that, that's one of the reasons why I've been like doing training for the Santa Clarita JC chapter recently. Um, I hope I do some more. I feel like the need to give back. Yeah, well, we'd love to have you. Now, for people that don't know, uh, the JCs is uh... – kind of what we call the uh, JCI or Junior Chamber International. And it is an international organization that uh, works with young people uh, like 21 to 40 on building their uh, leadership skills and uh, building a network and uh, helping build the community. Uh, and, and you joined uh, a different chapter. You were in the North Hollywood chapter. Yeah. You started like 20 years ago, maybe? <laughs> when did you join? Yeah, I'm not the spring chicken. Uh, 1999, I joined. Okay. Yeah, 21. Uh, when I joined, yeah, I jumped right in. I took that prime course. I jumped into training. I jumped into the network that the the JCI offers, chapters around the state, across the nation, around the world, J- Junior Chamber International, uh, and loved it. Uh, and I loved the training that I got from it. That's, that's one of the things that I could easily say. So look, here I am today in 2020, I'm a change management consultant. I deliver training to my clients. That is a, that is a commodity that I wouldn't have had if JC's hadn't kind of unlocked that in me long ago. Uh, it, it allowed me to kind of practice 
training for a while, for several years, until the opportunity – I used to work at Yahoo. Uh, the opportunity availed that a position came open on their learning and development team, and I was able to use my experience training in the JCs, training nonprofit organizations and leaders to to secure that. And that kind of started it off, and here I am today, and I – I really owe a lot to a lot of the leadership tools I, I learned in the JCs, um, the people I met, the network I have. Uh, that's why I'm giving back. I know others are giving back. And, and I, I circle it around that process, that never-ending learning that like you carry it to your deathbed pick things up from here and there and uh, apply them that especially now at a time where you can put your feet up on the couch with your glass of wine and you can go and learn something new from whatever resource pick something up and apply it it's it's really easy to get sucked into the couch i do it all the time (laughs) you know a, a lot of people uh that i've spoken to uh even on this podcast say things like uh the jc's changed my life. And it sounds like a crazy exaggeration, you know, like saying, uh, I, I watched the matrix and that changed my life, but you actually have had like your life affected by the people that you've met in the yeah. JCs. Full on. Uh, I was brought into JCI by a man named Mike Higby in North Hollywood. And he was a community leader and activist there. Uh, he plugged me in. He was the one who encouraged me to try the prime program he was president of our chapter when we started. Um, I stepped into his shoes the following year. Like I learned from him and he coached and mentored me along the way. He introduced me to April in 1999, who is my wife today. Like I met her through him. He was the one who encouraged me to, um, to come and apply for a job over at Sada Systems, you know, uh, and that's what opened the door to cloud for me. And I could easily say, like a lot of things that I have today, yes, are are because of my involvement in the JCs. But I can I can go back and I can pinpoint him as the key to a lot of that. Uh, Mike's no longer with us, but I was. Um, I was, I worked with him at Sada Systems, and uh, the day we found out that he had passed was a shock to a lot of us. Uh, I, I'm one of those that I don't take. Um, my process for grieving is to take action, is to try to be a rock for others, and so I like wrote a ro- a lot about Mike because of the gifts that I think he passed on to me. And when I started dissecting him, I was like, wait a minute, he was president of this chapter. He served as like all these different roles in the state, the California JCs. He supported so many different nonprofit organizations. He was a Valley college graduate. Look at all of these organizations that he built, supported, raised funds for and impacted Positively, all these leaders across the state that he coached and mentored. And if you take everything that they do, you multiply that out now, you can see that there was a legacy created by one person touching me and activating me and look at everybody I impacted, touching others inspiring people to do like uh it it kind of that's it's a mind-boggling kind of concept to say yeah you know what i just kind of go through life with my hundred friends here and i drink a lot of beer and you know I like to go camping and I do all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But you don't have any sense of the ripples you make in the pond, the people that you touch, the real influence that you have on society. 
I was able to kind of see that through again through Michael. I know you you also. Yeah, I'm, I'm, touched I'm, by Michael. I'm getting emotional here just listening to that because I knew Michael well. Um, his sister Jody's one of my best friends, has been for, for 25 years. So it's it's crazy to hear uh, the impact that one person can have. And what's interesting is that at all, at all of our JCI meetings, um, we get together and we, we talk about how did you get into it? And everyone's got a story about uh, I got into it because, uh, you know, Chelsea brought me in or so-and-so brought me in. And almost... Uh, there's a lot of people in our chapter that I'll say that uh, Charlene Duzik is a person that, that kind of reeled them in because <laughs> she's kind of like the old time person that's been in for, for 20 years. And then she says that she came in through April Price, through your wife. So mm-hmm. it's we're all kind of connected in that way. And it's it's weird to build our, our network that way. You know, it's yeah that, that personal connection is so powerful. There was uh, there was a phrase that uh, had been used in the past, which was the power of one, one person to say, you know what, I'm going to go and make a difference. And they go and they do it for that person. And then they do it for that person. And then they do it for that person. April's one of those, like she, she brought people together and she was able to, to impact others around her. One of those being Charlene. And Charlene is able to impact people around her and and look at where that's leading. And this is all kind of you you say, I just I just live in the town of Santa Clarita, man. I, I'm not really doing much here. But you look at these people who impact others. Uh Jenny Ketchapaw and um, and so many so many people through the organization, a lot who have been around JCs actually learned those skills in the organization, kind of sharpened their tool set there, and now are out in the business world and in the uh, the nonprofit organization world that are continuing to impact others this way. That's that's that skill set that comes through uh, JCI programming, and when you see it happen, when you see it put to use, this is the this is the way to make major change in the world. Because most of us show up at the age of twenty one, we just got our college degree, we're broke, we may or may not have a job, we got a lot of time on our hands. And but we want to make a difference. We have that urge to positively affect our world. You can see it in the streets today, and not you know look at all the the balance now of everybody marching for Black Lives Matter and demanding change from leadership. That's a huge. This is our moment. This is our generation's. Uh, civil rights moment. It's taken 60 years to get here. And there are those people that are out there that are affecting that change. Uh, So you can't just sit by and observe from the couch 100% of the time. There are things that are right for you to do. I can't tell you what they are. They're based on your value system. You know what they are. And all I'm saying to you is act on your values. If, if you ever wanted to do something, now is the time. There's so much change. We were just, we've been talking for the last 45 minutes about how much change there is. And change presents opportunities. There are niches opening up. There are roles opening up and being redefined. There are companies ebbing and flowing. There are stocks dying and growing. Like there's so much that's in flux that if you ever wanted to create something positive, you wanted to actualize yourself, this is the time, the time to step up, the time to reach out to others and 
bring together the right group that can impact, you know, that can help you carry out your dastardly plans and make something happen. If ever there was a time, because now you could sit at home and you can plot and you can scheme and you can do it with wine in your hand and your feet up on the coffee table and you can kind of put this all together and then you're ready for that moment when we finally can relax and COVID is under under control and we step into that new future state, that new world. You'll already have been on the ground running and ready for it. So you could take advantage of that. And I it you know, whatever form that may take, this is the time. Step up. If you've been wanting to to if you would dream, this is your bell ringing. It's your call. Make your dream happen. That, that is such a great way to wrap it up because for a lot of us, change is happening and some of us don't do well with change. You know, you've got uh, COVID and uh, people getting laid off from work and, and not being mm-hmm. able to see their fr- friends. And so there's a lot of changes that are like happening to us and we, we're just kind of like victims of it and we, we just stay home and, yeah. you know, and isolate. But then there's a lot of changes that we can make that impact ourselves and our families and, and you know, society as a whole. And I think that's such a, a great call to action that uh, now's the time for change. If there's anything that you want to change in your life, Now's the time to do it. I, I see this in my family, and I'm so proud of everyone. I've picked up uh, Duolingo for the last uh, two and a half months, lear- learning nice. uh, a language. Uh, I've got uh, my my dad uh, picked up a guitar for the first time, and he's watching, uh, <laughs> uh, taking lessons on Fender.com. I've got the, my brother who's yeah. uh, uh, doing like uh, weight training or uh, baking, baking bread, like like you said. I didn't realize that sourdough was such a uh, time. Uh, intensive and, and painstaking <laughs> process. And that explains why the sourdough jack is so much more expensive than a jumbo jack. Yes. I had no idea. Now you know. So. <laughs> but yeah, it, I see people doing such cool things now and uh, and I appreciate it. You know, my hat's off to them because, you know, you're, you're making it happen in a time when it's easy to just throw your hands up and give up. Corin, so are you. Thank you, man. Well, thank you. This is a, this is a good chat. And uh, Jason, I always like yeah. talking to you and, and we'll have to talk more in the future. You got it. Oh, well, thanks for listening, everyone, to uh, Secrets of Tomorrow's Leaders. I'm Corin Young at RK Studios. And for JCI Santa Clarita, tune in to future podcasts or past podcasts on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify.